Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I am your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about the things that are top of mind as you navigate your career, whether corporate or otherwise. The plan is to get you out of your rut and talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Welcome to the village. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective. My name is Laurel, your host, and I am absolutely thrilled to have our guest today. I know I say that all the time, but I have such cool women <laughs> who come on the show, and I'm really excited to have Allison. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why um, I'm excited to have Allison, but let me just say, she is in my mastermind group with me. She is just an incredible individual, and her story is going to be one that I really think resonates right now, especially as many of us are trying to figure out how we're going to move and pivot through this time of COVID and everything else, because it is timely, not only for now, but even as you're going forward. So Allison, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, and I'm going to give you guys a little introduction of Allison, and her bio is also going to be, when the uh, podcast posts, you'll be able to see it there as well. So Allison is the founder and CEO of The Revenue Academy, a seasoned revenue marketing strategist and a business consultant. She has worked in marketing, sales, and strategic consulting for over 20 years. And she has worked with companies like Boeing, Honeywell, Sprint, Exxon, Aramark, and Microsoft. She has run her own consulting practice for about four years, working with smaller companies to build and deploy the infrastructure required to operate successful revenue marketing programs. And that's really important, guys. And her stuff is just incredible. Um, she worked at Marketo, an Adobe company, in enterprise sales for five years where she fell in love with helping teams align and succeed in the evolving landscape of marketing and sales. And she has been a VISTA member in the Portland, Oregon chapter for five years, which is an amazing organization, and has developed a proprietary revenue maturity model that she uses in her consulting practice to establish a revenue maturity score and a baseline with her customers. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Revenue Academy as well. In December of 2019, she recognized that her family needed more stability and she needed more corporate exposure and experience to take, on, take her online products and programs to the next level. She sought out her next role, was very picky, and is now serving as a principal strategy consultant for the fast-growing San Francisco technology company, Rollworks, which is a division of Next Role. Allison, I just can't wait for people to hear your story because this is going to be so awesome. So here's where I want to start. Let's okay. talk a little bit about your role now, because then okay. I want people to understand where you are, and then we're going to talk through the journey. So maybe give us a little bit about what you're doing and, and how that's working now. Yeah, yeah. So right now, currently, I, my role is a account manager, which would be the most more like the most relative um, or I guess corporate term that people mm -hmm. would understand. Um, account management in the Silicon Valley, San Francisco, high tech companies is all really synonymous. You can find yes. that role. Um, what we actually do, and it's a principal um, account manager for the company Rollworks, and they are an account-based marketing technology. Mm -hmm. So they would be similar to like um, uh a, a, a like a, a competing product that has a little bit more momentum behind it would be um, demand base is another okay. one that people might have heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, another similar company would be one I previously worked for called Marketo or HubSpot. Okay. Those types of technologies is okay. what we're talking about. You so see lots of HubSpot commercials lately. 
Yep. So all of that type of MarTech is what, what it is. Um, and I serve as a principal account manager. And what I do is I go into some of their largest accounts. Actually, there are teams, um, uh, we represent 30% to 40% of the organization's revenue. Right. There's about a thousand employees um, okay. at this organization. They're pre-IPO. Mm-hmm. Um, they will probably IPO at some point in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I lead the services and all of the strategy work for the largest. So let's say um, like Honeywell is one of my customers, um, Snowflake, which is a huge cloud um, company, mm-hmm. Upwork, which many consultants yes. or freelancers have heard of yes. as a customer of mine. So it's educating them on what account-based marketing is because the marketing vernacular is incredibly confusing to many people, whether you're a small <laughs> business owner or a, hu- a marketing director or even yes. a CMO of a huge company. It's mm-hmm. all different. Um, so we are an account-based marketing solution. That's a new terminology as it relates to marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's educating, it's helping them map strategies and tactics. And ultimately, it's really proving that the investment that the executives have approved to make is worthwhile and it, there is a return on it. So I go and consult with these companies and help them learn and um, execute upon these bigger strategies of their investment. I love that. And this, and, and as we talk about this too, um, which I think you guys are going to really be interested in is Allison did, I said a little bit in her bio, really did create a proprietary process to really do exactly what she's doing now as well um, is to help companies understand that there is a return on investment in marketing dollars and help marketing teams figure out how to help people understand what that investment is. Cause marketing, just like accounting, just, well, not so much accounting, but marketing, HR, IT, unless you are selling tech, right? All of those kind of functions, the back office functions are cost centers. We're not necessarily generating revenue, but if you can start to understand the language of business and tie what you do directly to ROI, it makes it so much easier to have those budget conversations, right? So, so yes. Allison, it's, it's just, I'm, and your Revenue Academy was incredible, and I want people to understand that too. So let's go back. So you, you were in corporate, and yep. then you made the pivot to go to do your own business, and then did the marketing consulting first, and then pivoted again in that to do your own thing, and then pivoted again to say, you know what, I'm gonna do something else right now because this is still in my wheelhouse, but I want some more kind of foundation. Yep. People kind of through that journey. Yeah, so, you know, I, I had, I mean, I, I've been in marketing and sales now for 20 plus years, and I had, my journey wasn't that much different than a lot of my peers, which was, I worked in an agency at the beginning, and then I dabbled in, I was a marketing director on the brand side of a professional services company for 15 years. I thought the grass would be greener back on the agency side, I'd ping pong back and forth. Um, What really was revolutionary to me was when I took the job at Marketo, which is now an Adobe company, as we talked about, Mm -hmm. I made the change from marketing to sales. And when I did that, first of all, I realized how much I actually loved sales. I liked um, being on the front lines. I liked the pay of sales a little better than marketing if I was being (laughs) honest. Um, But I really got to cut my teeth not only in that cross functionality from going from a marketing director to a 
sales executive. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just learned that other piece of the business and how much they're different. And that was a growing corporate sold for multiple billions of dollars to Adobe a couple of, you know, I don't know, five years ago now. And, you know, in watching a change of leadership regime in that corporate environment, dealing with a lot of the things that you just don't have control over. I mean, I was still learning. I was making good money. I had all the stock options. I did all the stuff, um, like climbing the ladder, et cetera. Um, But right when I felt like I had enough exposure and I also stayed very passionate about helping people. So I wanted to take all of those learnings and not just be like, cha-ching, another deal closed, cha-ching, another deal closed. I wanted to actually go back or kind of leave. I I wanted to leave that environment. I didn't want to do corporate anymore. I was done with travel. Can't do that anymore for now. (laughs) I was done with layers and layers of leadership changes. And I just was over it. I was tired. I had two little kids. I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was scared but I knew I could help people. I knew if I could go from working with these huge companies, mm-hmm. with these huge teams that ultimately kind of intimidated me at the beginning. Right. But they're just people. And exactly. so I succeeded there. And then I, I did open, I left Marketo in 2015 mm-hmm. and I was super scared, but I started my own professional services company called Intersect Solutions, which mm-hmm. is still somewhat alive and well, intersectsolutions.com. You, and I I did that for five years. I I built um, close to or at a million dollar consulting company, a team of 10 people. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to challenge myself. I knew I could pivot my experience and my methodologies and the thing, my my services plans Mm -hmm. to smaller businesses who didn't know what, revenue marketing or any of those things really meant back to the confusing aspects of marketing and sales. So that's what I did. And I did that for five years. And um, that's where I met you. And I joined um, a a mastermind group that was, I would highly encourage those who are making changes and making pivots to seek out that type of um, support structure. It was really amazing. Um, But then And you had alluded to, okay, then you pivoted again. So if anyone is out there and they've started a professional services company, Mm -hmm. you know that it's the grind all the time. It's, you know, it's the same as corporate hours. It's hard. It's Mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of people. It's people resources. And I wanted to productize those services and I wanted to make it more price, um, available. I didn't want to always have to charge this high value of human resource. I wanted to package and productize some solutions that were easy, digestible, and tangible, Mm -hmm. which is when I started to think about and launch my online program that you alluded to called the Revenue Academy. And the Revenue Academy was all about the the very basic, simple things that every small business owner has to do Mm -hmm. in order to scale revenue generation, business development, and sales. And an example of that, and I think you took this course, Laurel, was how do I start to deeply understand my customer? So I created a course called Know Your Customer. And it was a frame, it's a framework to really get under the hood into the head of your customer and realize that you have to put them first when you're doing 
communications and when you're advertising and all the, when you're messaging and when you're doing this type of thing is really understand what, what makes them tick and how to serve them and what they really need. And that's when you can start to uh, message and communicate and build conversations and relationships. So very basic, but very critical part of generating relationships, which generate revenue. Right in an organization. So I did that, um, super successful, got it off the ground, had about a hundred people go through my courses. I fell in love with the program. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I realized, and this is, you know, part of life. I realized that my own family, I have another entrepreneur in my household, my husband who owns, uh, gyms, fitness facilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I started getting nervous about our Uh, financial position, our stability, the time we were spending away from our kids. And as much as there was no part of me that wanted to give up what I had built, I knew I had a, I know I'm employable. I know that I can, you know, go get a corporate job and generate the financial stability I needed for my family and the predictability and the benefits and all those things that come with corporate. So I decided to, I was very picky Yes. Very, very picky. <laughs> As you should be. As you should be. Right. And so I, you know, I leveraged that experience of, um, you know, running my own company and building a product and launching a product. And I was telling you just the other day, as we were talking about this, what made it, a tr- what made me an attractive candidate for the role I have now was not my years of experience um, my, my, you know, high profile client list or any of that stuff. It was the fact that I was willing to take a risk and I was willing to recognize when a change needed to occur so that I could advance. Yes. So that's what was attractive to me as a candidate. And so I, I was offered a job within two weeks of seeking it out, like the one I wanted. And that's what, did it. So I just wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to go back. And what is so key, I mean, there's so much stuff there to unpack because this is what I think we, what often happens is there are people who get in corporate and love, that is what they want to do and they love it. And then there are people who start out as entrepreneurs and that's what they do and they love it. And then there are those of us who are kind of in the middle, right? Some who started corporate, but we're like, yeah, done, tired, not doing this anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing because I know I have the skills to do it. Yeah. And we still have the opportunity to go back when we decide and and whether or not we want to, whether or not we decide we have to, it is something that is always an opportunity. And I think people often think if you've gone out and done your own business and you've either sold it or you decided, hey, I need a little bit more stability right now, like you were saying, People look at that and say, oh, well, you didn't make it. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. There is a different level of strength and courage and commitment to just go on to that entrepreneurial thing. And, and as you said, your employer now wasn't valuing, well, they valued, they valued your experience and what you had, but what really sold them was the fact that you would take risks and that you also would make the hard decisions. And yeah. that's so important with executives, right? It's so yeah. important. So So if you think about kind of this movement, I want to talk about two things. One, I want to talk about the Revenue Academy from the standpoint of how you think about services versus products, because you and I are kind of the same, right? Because I've got, you know, the services side, but also the the resource with the product and what that does for a business. 
But I also want to start first and say, how did you, as you started thinking about this next role you wanted to do and, and being picky to go back in, what are you finding now that you're back in corporate? Oh my Both goodness. Good. And then what have you had to kind of adjust to? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I'll start it by, I'm going to go back just a touch and comment on the fact that I had so many comments and I made this change. So I started Intersex Solutions and Revenue Academy in 2016. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, um, you know, closed it down for, for a period of time, if you will, this past right. December in 2019. Mm -hmm. To your point, earlier point, I got so many, I got this a lot when I was making the announcement of the change. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, right. I'm sorry. And I was like, no, I'm not sorry. I don't be sorry. Like I'm super stoked about this next move. It was very calculated. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was for the stability, as I mentioned personally, but also with a very keen strategy to go in and, and learn what I don't know and take right. on, you know, get consume more information, make sure that my offering in the Revenue Academy mm -hmm. is still on par with what the market needs. So there were some very specific reasons I, I did that, that there was no reason to be sorry about. So that's one. And then to your question, um, I, some, so the things going back into corporate that I'm, now that I've had the experience of entrepreneurship and productizing all that stuff, for one, I am an incredibly grateful employee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, it is so, I am much more empathetic to executive level folks that are navigating, especially now in yes. the, what's happening in many of businesses um, and at big corporate levels. Right. Um, I appreciate the expenses that go along with being an employee um, I don't feel as entitled as I maybe thought I was before when I mm -hmm. didn't know how it felt, what it meant to get, you know, provide benefits to people, yes. um, make sure that all of the T's were crossed and I's were dotted as it related right. to insurances and workman's mm -hmm. comp and all of the HR related functionalities. I mean, right. that is a big, that is a incredible experience and level of responsibility that I just took for granted mm -hmm. when I hadn't done it myself. So that's right. one. Um, and that's a positive. I think I mm -hmm. sent our CEO of our company as he was addressing our entire, our entire workforce around a reduction in force because of COVID and, um, just the way he was personally having to process, I sent him a thank you for being so empathetic and genuine that's in his awesome. addresses I don't know if I would have done that before, but I just really felt for him and I thought he was doing a tremendous job navigating that. So that's one thing. The one thing, the, a thing on the kind of, oh man, I had to adjust to this a little bit category was, um, you know, during a more corporate formal review process and those types of procedural things that you mm -hmm. just find in corporate that are more formal. Right. I've operated on my own. I've led a team of 10. I've reviewed a team of 10. I've right. put roles and responsibilities in place. I definitely have a more personal style. Like I mm -hmm. really want to get to deeply know people that I'm working with, mm -hmm. especially if they were working for me. Right. And I just went through a review cycle and I did feel a little um, prickly, a little, because because of the formality, I had a great review, yeah. but I also felt a little bit like, 
I've been there, done that before, and my expectations of somebody now reviewing me and my work and my contributions are, mm -hmm. I have high expectations there. Right. And so, you know, there's maybe some work that could be done there, but it's just different. So, yeah. so that's kind of some, you know, some observations that yeah. I could share about going back into corporate. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting, and, and that I, one of the things that I find fascinating is I remember when I was first getting ready to, to go out and, and very few people knew, you know, and my family was really supportive. Um, they were a little scared. They're like, are you sure? Right. But they, but they knew me. Right. But there were other people when I finally said I was leaving um, first in corporate, you get that. Well, where are you going? Where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you working for? Where are you going? You, and, you know, and then I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to do my own thing. And then you get the wait, what? Well, what do you mean do your own thing? What, you know, and, and very few people are truly like, that is so cool. I can't believe you're doing that. They're more like, do you know what your position was? Do you know how much money you're giving up? Do you, all of these things, like, are you crazy? And, and I remember Lisa Nichols saying, you know, don't get upset when other people don't get your vision because God didn't give it to them. He gave it to you. And, and so to hear, you know, that you not only leaving corporate, but then even going back in when people are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It didn't work. You, you're really going back. You're real. It, it's like this, it, even well-meaning people who know you well and are very supportive. It is so difficult for people to understand change, right? Cause that's what pivots are. They're change. They are not necessarily failures. They are not necessarily mistakes. They're not necessarily any of that, or they may be a combination of all of that, but fundamentally it's just change. And because most people hate change or are uncomfortable with change, even if someone else is doing it, it could be, oh, I really want to do that, but I'm scared. So, you know, let me poke holes in this one, not to poke holes in it, but, but it's almost poking holes in my desire to go. Right. So yeah. as you, as you think about like moving forward and really diving into this and learning, cause that's the other thing I think was so critical for you guys to hear is that Allison said, I went back because there was stuff that I still wanted to learn. There were gaps I wanted to fill. And I wanted to make sure that what I was delivering to my clients was still on par with what the market wanted. Such a marketer, right? <laughs> know your customer. <laughs> what is the problem you're trying to solve, right? But that, 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 that perspective, whether it's a career or building a business of what else can I learn and are my skills going to deliver to the market a solution is key. It's yeah. Key. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's funny to hear you say that back because um, I, at the beginning, I think I told my husband or someone, at least I said, I'm going to look at this as due diligence for my next adventure. And, and I wasn't, if I'm being really honest and, and transparent, when I developed the methodologies that I put in place mm -hmm. for Revenue Academy and the courses and the programs, I didn't want it to just be good. I wanted it to be amazing and yes. really helpful to growing marketers and incoming mm -hmm. marketers and, you know, people who wanted to learn the functions of marketing and how they're related to sales. There was multiple dimensions and a lot there. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't feeling, I felt like I needed more meat on the bone. And so at the beginning of this new role, as I said, it's an account-based marketing, which mm -hmm. I wasn't, I'm not as, and wasn't as proficient at mm -hmm. that I was mm -hmm. with demand generation and inbound right. marketing and marketing strategy and brand and all those things. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was something like an arrow in my quiver. Is that, I needed, right? yes. I needed that 
to round out my experience so that I could be credible. I want to be as credible as possible. And so going and working in the most progressive marketing space right. in the world in some ways in, in Silicon Valley and MarTech companies, technology leads. Yes. And um, so it'd be and to work with and have my customers be some of the, you know, fortune 50 marketers like right. that, that, that's pretty great due diligence that I have the opportunity to be a part of. So, so yeah, I have no issues on, I need to learn more, always yeah. learning. I can get better. And for the purposes of making products and services better and more valuable and more credible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, last week, the whole thing about, um, that I was talking about was being a lifelong learner and it's critical. It is critical for leaders to be prepared and to learn because we don't all know everything and to have the courage and the humility. And, and like you said, the drive to just, you don't want it to just be good. You want it to be excellent. And there's a lot of stuff out there, guys. There's a lot of stuff. And, and there are what, 7 billion people on the planet. And so there's something for everyone. And there are those people who truly want stuff that is exceptional. That's really great. That gets them where they need to be. That, that helps them learn and helps them grow and helps them get deeper. And so when you look at someone like an Allison and you hear what she's saying, she was developing something for that client that really wanted to understand the return. How do you generate revenue? It just happens. So what happens is she's talking about generating revenue through some of the skills around marketing, right? And branding and strategy, but it was all about revenue generation, which is the whole point. Well, other than purpose, because you want to do good work, but you can't do good work if you're also not generating money. It's that whole vicious cycle, right? Even when I tell people with HR, you're a business person first and an HR person second. Not because you don't have empathy and you don't care about people, but if there is no business, no one has a job. So you've got to understand the business and how revenue is generated, right? So fantastic. I just, I knew this was going to be a great conversation. Um, so, so let's talk now about, about Revenue Academy. Okay. Because you know, I, cause I did take the course that you put up and it was, it was just phenomenal. And, you know, again, coming out of corporate, I work with marketing. I knew marketing, whatever that means, <clears throat> excuse me. And I know in the first few, first of my few conversations, I would say, okay, wait, <laughs> back up. I mean, I hear the words that you're saying and I understand the words that you're saying, but help me understand what that means, right. Yeah. In terms of what I'm doing for my business. So talk a little bit about how you structured Revenue Academy and, and, and that real purpose of, of moving people forward through that. Yeah, what's well, funny even to hear, again, like um, <laughs> the name Revenue Academy itself, like you just said, uh, okay, we're purpose-driven, we want to be vision-oriented, uh, but at the end of the day, we, we got to make money. So, um, you know, coming out of working in, let's all just say it, a more masculine sales force, mm -hmm a, you know, dealing with revenue driving roles, um, those types of things for many years. I did. And like I said earlier, I did start to understand, obviously, the critical nature of revenue generation. And, um, and I kind of wanted to brass tax it out. So I wanted to call it what it was. And um, I still sometimes in part of my um, thinking about what what will the Revenue Academy, what does it need to be and how will it serve its customers eventually? 
more than it is already mm-hmm. is the name itself. Like, is it too masculine? Is it mm-hmm. offensive? Is it, and I, I quibbled with that and went on yes. and on. should it be something softer? Should it be something lighter, sexier, whatever? Right. And I just decided, no, no, it shouldn't. Because what I'm teaching is to your point, the fundamentals mm-hmm. of how a, how a business will progress, right. how, um, how, how that fits in. And I don't want to be shy about it. The things right. that marketing does is to drive bottom line, top line in an organization mm-hmm. doesn't mean we don't do that with purpose, vision, uh, creativity, um, inspiration, et cetera. Right. So right. just kind of that I stuck with the revenue Academy because ultimately the things I was teaching or the things I teach in the courses online and otherwise should help the organization <laughs> grow from a revenue right. perspective. Right. So, so how I put that together was I kind of, I broke down, you know, from a marketing perspective, what are the key fundamentals, key areas that we have to focus in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to support sales, to support the closing of deals, to support mm-hmm. the acquisition of customers, to support revenue growth. Right. And ultimately we looked at three key areas and that was the revenue leadership in an organization, whether it be very small or very large in corporate. Right. So who right. represents a revenue team, revenue leadership? Mm-hmm. The second element that we started to construct and break down was revenue processes. What are the processes strategically and tactically that go into the creation of new revenue, whether again, customer marketing, new customer acquisition, mm-hmm. deal stages, all the things. And right. it's very geeky from yeah. <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> and then the third area was the, the revenue, the, the information technology, the, te- the tech that then enabled those processes to scale. So we broke those down and then we, we built a methodology around it. We have 55 different attributes that we'll assess in an organization that tells us where are you from a maturity perspective. Right. We did that in our consulting practice. Mm-hmm. We assessed about 400 companies mm-hmm. and realized some very common themes that were, hold on, <laughs> in that revenue leadership area. Right. Companies weren't necessarily necessarily aligned, like when I say companies, meaning the the leadership team. Right, were not aligned on who their target customer is, what their value propositions were, um, what stories they were telling, what value, actual value they offered. So I said, let's back this truck up and go back to the basics and say, no, it. That's where I crafted the the course. Know your customer. Mm-hmm. Another one would be um, what, uh, tell your customer story. What is your customer story? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the story? What is the value? How are you connecting with your customer? Right. So those are two examples of that. And it's not high tech. That's not techie. That's right. like, as an organization, you should know. And if you know who they are, you've done the work, then you can relate to them. Then you can serve them. Then you can offer value to them. All the fancy things like, life cycle marketing and pipeline and all of that right. doesn't, ex- you don't excel there mm-hmm. unless you know that customer. So right. that, because we saw it as a common theme mm-hmm. through our assessment work, we were able to create a package, a program, a course that taught people 
like this provided frameworks, like a customer canvas, organize the information, work across your teams. And the output would be in that case, a full 360 degree view of your customer that then data can back into later. Yes. So productization in those areas was not easy, Mm -hmm. but we found a method to our madness and were able to find frameworks that worked. Well, and what's so what's so key about that? Not only is the are the courses fantastic, um, and really and really good for people who are not marketing experts. Because again, I came out of corporate; the language wasn't uh, you know unusual or unknown to me, but but the deep connection of the marketing language to customer and revenue was different because that just wasn't my wheelhouse. But what's interesting about what you said as well is that I don't know if people heard is Allison took her team and the work that they had done on her services side, her consulting side and said, yes, we're doing good work and we're delivering great stuff for our customers, but we're also learning from our customers and we are taking what we're seeing and we're taking the data that we see and we are informing our next processes. We are informing our next delivery of even services or a product by what we're actually seeing. And I think often, whether it's our career, we're trying to decide on the next step we want to take, or it's a business and we're trying to to get the next customer, what have you. I don't know that we individually take time to learn and, and appreciate the experiences that we have and understand that every single experience begins to build a framework and a base of data for us to use as we move forward. Right. I mean, that is, that is masterful, Allison. Oh, good. I hope it's helpful. It's, it's interesting because I think had I not uh, created that maturity assessment and, and to be honest, we did it so that we get sticky in, in our consulting customers, Right. but that was our intention. That was our thought process during the creation of it. Mm-hmm. But what wowed us and allowed us to move forward to your point informed us was their data. I was mm-hmm. at that point, I was just a, a an interviewer. I was just mm-hmm. giving them questions that it was their responses and their sentiment and their, the data that that pulled mm-hmm. that allowed us to say, I mean, it's like, pro, it's like, uh, you know, product research or what have right. you. I just don't think right. I was sophisticated enough to understand that. Now I would do it. Right. More <laughs> but yeah, for sure. And it, 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 it was, um, and we did a, a bunch of reviews after we launched a few of our courses and mm-hmm. I thought it was too rudimentary, but I'm a 20 plus year seasoned marketer. Right. And what I kept getting back was it's not, you need to right. even make it maybe even more, um, mm-hmm. you know, either smaller digestible mm-hmm. or because people want to learn, they want to be proficient right. and it, it takes a lot to take all of the experience and knowledge you have yes. and boil it down into something that someone else learning, beginning their learning journey can apply. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So, and I remember when we would have these conversations, even in our mastermind retreats, right? I would be talking about HR things and, and comments and, and, and use woo! language. And I know, and people were like, wait, what? Can you say that again? And it was the same thing with marketing. And we forget because we've been in it so long. It's not that we assume people know what we're talking about. It's that we don't think about the fact that someone won't know what we're talking about. Yes. It's, it's you know, a, a kind of a different perspective. It's not that we're assuming people are stupid or we're assuming people are, are smarter we just don't think as much about 
the delivery of the message or the delivery of the expertise as we do about the just the knowledge itself and how we got to package it the right way so that people can digest it and can understand it. And, and the more expertise you have, the more important it is for you to pay attention to the fact that everyone around you may not have that expertise and may not have the confidence to say, I don't get it or I don't understand where. I, yep. I always I say if, if I had a dollar for every time I heard from one of my customers still with all of my roles, mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't know. Right. <laughs> but that's beautiful because yes. it's, it allows you to, I love when I hear that because mm -hmm. then I say, it makes me stop and say, gosh, you're right. You know, almost, you know, shame on me for either talking too quickly or talking mm -hmm. too fast or making assumptions. And that's not right. You're asking right. for information that I have innately or yes. just intuitively. Mm -hmm. And that's a very fair time to pause and stop and appreciate, you know, seek, seek more, you know, be more Absolutely. curious. I would also say in that regard, um, I think and you probably will relate to this too. Anyone who wants to take that leap uh, out of corporate mm -hmm. and thinks, uh, will anyone want this? Or will anyone, can I package right. this? Up? If you're an expert in anything, like you said, there is someone who, uh, groups of people yes. who really need that, that expertise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing and unafraid. You have to be willing to put the work in and unafraid and, and confident. And, and so it's difficult and complex, but man, there's an audience out there for anything. Yes. Just anything. Clearly. That, yeah. Yeah. There really is. You know, that if, if nothing else tells you that, just watch the as seen on TV ads for, for all of the gadgets that True. you're thinking, I never knew I needed that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But man, it, knowing your customer, that's why I start with yes. it. It is yes. so darn critical and just people kind of skip yes. over that step and make too many assumptions. So yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's, and, and I remember having a conversation um, with one of our coaches, who's a social media uh, expert who has her own business as well. Who's, who's just phenomenal. And we were talking about things and this was, you know, again, coming out of corporate and I'm not a social media fan. You guys who've been following me know that. Um, <clears throat> And yet doing this, you have to be, you have to be on social media. And I remember having these conversations and I was boosting posts and, and I remember having this conversation with Bridget and she's like, okay, but did you boost a post or did you do an ad? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I paid some money and it said it did something. Right. <laughs> so she's like, and she said, well, I said, you know what, here's what we're going to do going forward. I Bridget, I want you to assume I know nothing, nothing. I said, because if you say something that I know, my commitment to you is say, okay, that I understand. And then we can move to the next thing. But I need you to assume I know zero, right? And it was so great because I thought, oh, now here's an ad and here's a boosted post. And this is why you do which of each one. And, and the kind and of- that was saying to Bridget, I don't know what I don't know, help me. And yes. probably, you know, that is the best way to get the most out of yes. an expert consultant. And yes. Because they, to all the things we were just saying, but that is really a critical piece, especially if you're starting your own business and you got to pay yes. people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Tell yes. them out front. And the other thing I will say, it's so interesting that you just said you're not a social media, you know, everyone yes. who knows me, yes. I don't think any of us love it, but right. you know, I, I will also make the comment of it's okay to back off of those channels a little bit. Like in my case, mm 
Uh I went hard and fast and I paid a lot of money for high level production of videos. And Uh I, I delved into and um, with, you know, both hands and feet to all Uh the social media channels. And I wasn't getting the response as quickly as I had hoped. Uh Um, And I wasn't upset. I knew why I knew the why I wasn't boosting posts. I wasn't putting money into it. My consistency, Uh I, I, I needed some time. Right that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. And I had to admit to myself that that's okay. My time to do that piece of this business is not now. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. I know I need to show up to be in service to those people who, you know, Mm -hmm. are interested and want to be a part of the revenue Academy, but I couldn't at that moment in time. And it's okay. So it's okay. it's okay and it's there and I got really far with it. And again, I do have some customers and I'm super excited to bring it back around mm-hmm. but when I'm ready yes exactly. so I think that's important to give yourself grace if you do have to take a step back or make a change those it's a break it's yes. not a failure it's yes. it's or whatever yes. anyone wants to say it's mm-hmm. a it's a calculated break which is fine absolutely and Good. and that's a word that's important here on the Rutledge perspective too is grace you've got to give yourself grace because because if you heard what Allison was saying as well is that, you know, she wasn't ready to do that yet. It wasn't the time for her to do that piece yet, that kind of social media blast. And really, I mean, she dug in as we all did when we were in this mastermind, we were all like, we got to post, we got a video, we got it. And, and, and did that, but there's so much more to that than just showing up. Right. And you have to show up to serve, but there's got to be, there's got to be energy around it. There's got to be strategy around that. There's, there's stuff that happens and, and it's okay to not be ready right now. Do the stuff that you're ready for right now so that you're prepping yourself for the next step. Because if you're someone like me as well, who just, I, I do hate being on camera. So we'll just be real about that. I hate being on camera. Um, but not because, uh, I know, <laughs> but, I'm, but it's just because I like, I like just getting stuff done and being behind the scenes. Yet I know that in order for people to find me, for me to serve, because it's all about service, in order for me to serve, I have to be in front of the camera. And so, but knowing that, that also means there's a level of energy that's needed. There's all this other kind of stuff that's needed. And I also have to take care of me. And my energy is renewed by solitude and quiet. Solitude and quiet. I know that about me. So I also know, hey, Laurel, you really got to get more focused on planning ahead because that way, you know, it's all out there and you can take that time down. And you know, when you're doing video, you, you schedule them appropriately so you don't have 42 back-to-back because you will be so drained by the end. So when you hear Allison talking about, look, I pivoted, it was the right thing to do. It was a calculated break. When she talks about giving yourself grace, when she talks about not being ready, it's okay to not be ready. Yes. You just want to keep moving forward, whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like. So Allison, besides giving yourself grace, what would you tell people, like the, the biggest learning that you have had through your journey so far, even if it's one or two, the biggest thing that you have learned up to this point? I think the biggest, I mean, outside of the, um, just recognizing that uh, back to the beginning that we are always learners and to stay humble and focused Mm -hmm. because you, you don't know it all. You'll never know it all. And arrogance and thinking, you know, it all will never serve you. And so, or anyone else. And, um, I, so I, I, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a tough dynamic to know if you're in charge, if you're the CEO, 
and people are looking at you to have all the answers mm-hmm. and you don't, that's just, and you know, you don't, mm-hmm. um, some of those dynamics are difficult to work through. Um, so just learning, always knowing and staying open and listening to other people's perspectives, staying curious and seeking those things out to help drive you forward. Mm-hmm. You don't have all the answers and you never will. So staying open to learning, seeking out perspectives that even don't favor your own, mm-hmm. uh, at all and staying curious is number one for sure um and then just number number two would be um don't it it's it i i'm just not afraid i'm happy and proud i'm not i'm not afraid i'm not afraid to make changes i'm not afraid to go downshift Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i don't have you know uh, yeah just don't be afraid don't be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because it's, it's, and, and I love the word downshift. It's not a step back. It yeah. is a downshift. And just think about it. If you, for those of us who, you know, have driven five speeds, which I love driving to five speed, you downshift so you can get more like torque so you can climb the mountain. Yeah. Right. So it is, I love that downshift versus step back. Cause people think step back, you're you know, even when we talk about careers, we talk about moving laterally as opposed to just up. And sometimes you step back as opposed to just moving forward. I love down. I'm going to coin that downshift. Downshift. Taking a downshift. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go in gear two before I go back to gear five. It's just the way it is. (laughs) I love, I love that. I love that. And I know you guys probably think we planned this, but Allison used all of those perspective keywords. She used perspective. She used grace. She used lifelong learning and she used curiosity. You guys know how I feel about being curious. It is curiosity is like, that is like the, the, the superpower stone. Yeah. You know, because if you're curious, you're curious about your customers. You're curious about your own skills. You're curious about continuing to learn. You are, when you're curious and genuinely curious, that's how you know what questions to ask. That's how you listen differently. Cause you're listening to learn, not to respond. Yes. I, yeah. I love it. I love it. And so, so with that learning, then what is maybe the biggest piece of guidance you might give someone, whether they're just trying to figure out whether they're even going to leave corporate or whether they're at a time where they really need to think about a pivot, what would your biggest piece of guidance be? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think more tactically, honestly, I, and I'm not, I'm a big thinker. I'm a top Mm -hmm. down thinker. And so for me, sometimes I stay up here and it's hard for me to execute upon a decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm decisive, um, but to get to that point where I'm decisive and confident, writing down those pros and cons, like if it's weighing heavy on you, actually take the time to document, assess, and maybe review with a peer or a coach or what have you. We all want to feel good about our next moves. And if it's a downshift, you, it's okay to want that, you know, the, the, you got this, um, the, the understanding in someone else that under, you know, that knows what you're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the documentation and giving yourself the processing time before big decisions are made and taking 24 hours, 48 hours, go back to it. Don't do it in haste, but right. the, as simple as pros and cons list and really knowing how somebody challenged me once to what is your five-year plan and sometimes i'm like oh too much. <laughs> what so, i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow right <laughs> i asked like can i modify that and right. so I, I did it i 
for me, I do a 30, 60, 120, 360. Mm-hmm. Like if I can just put it in that framework and know where I want to get in those little pieces mm-hmm. and work backwards from there, it doesn't feel so overwhelming, but the documentation of that and the exploration of my thoughts combined with those I trust their perspective mm-hmm. to help me through those pivots, difficult decisions right. has, was really helpful. Oh, I love it. Okay. Allison, I just, I, I just knew this was going to be great. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, thank you. I this has been amazing. I just, it, it, because, and it's so timely because again, so many people are making really tough decisions right now. Mm-hmm. And I do call them tough because any decision around change is hard. Any yeah. decision around change is hard. Knowing that you have to make one may be easy because there's a pain point, right? So you've got to do something different, but the actual decision-making and then acting on that is hard. And so this, this talking to you and having people see someone who has made those pivots, who has understood that it's just a downshift, it's not a failure, is I think incredible. And I am so appreciative of your time. Thank you so much for sharing. You are so welcome. It was fantastic. And I will, those of you who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in to the Rutledge Perspective. And I, if you, we're going to put Allison's bio up there and we'll also put her contact information so you'll have it. And um, with the Revenue Academy as well. So we'll have everything up there for you so you can see it. And um, just stay strong. Don't be afraid to pivot. As Allison said, don't be afraid. Just do it. Downshift. Make that change. Do a 30, 60, 90, 120. Or if a five-year thing works for you. Or just a simple pro-con list. But you got this. You have the ability to make change. And to really understand where you want to go and do the right thing for you. So thank you for tuning in. We will catch you next week. And uh, thank you for listening to The Rutherford Perspective. Take care. Bye. Bye, Laurel. You have been listening to The Rutledge Perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please give us a five-star rating. You can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com slash podcast. And you can subscribe to the show where you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. Oh, and if there's someone you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge perspective, please pass it along. Thank you for tuning in.